You're listening to the Fanfic Maverick Podcast, the show where I talk to fanfiction writers about their work and the marvelous world of fanfiction. This show may contain adult themes and language. Listener discretion is advised. The following paragraphs are from a fanfiction story titled Ghost Feathers by today's guest fanfiction writer, Dragon Girl G. Panicked screams echo in the darkness, snuffed out by the rolling smoke, just as quickly as the flames on the soldiers' torches. When soldiers swarm out the outpost doors like ants emerging from a disturbed hill, haphazardly firing arrows into the smoke or upwards at their airborne assailants, who respond not with weapons, but with even more blunt force collisions. One soldier flutters up and away from the walls in a desperate attempt at escape, but a dark blur swoops down upon him like a meteor, dragging him down into the forest in a discordant symphony of snapping branches. Zhang Wen Ying steps forward. He's wound up like a bow that's been strung too tightly, nearly vibrating with tension, but he halts when Lang Wang Ji grips his shoulders hard. What is it? He snarls. Zdian crackles to life on his finger, and the smell of ozone wafts over them both. Shouldn't we go in? We need to assess the situation, but we should stay out of the fight, Lang Wang Ji says, his heart thudding in his ears. He lets out a harsh breath. Neither of them has regained enough strength to fly for long, but they cannot sit here like sitting ducks. Jiang Wan Ying's nostrils flare as he stares at the pandemonium below. Fine. We'll head to the roof of the main building, take a look, then go into the forest. Let's meet back up here if we get separated somehow. He lifts his gaze, meeting Lan Wangji's eyes. Be careful. Mmm, you too. Jiang Wan Ying spreads his wings and gives them a test flap, then takes a deep breath and leaps downward as if diving into a river, cutting a path directly through the swirling smoke. Lang Wang Ji follows as closely as he can. He can't match Jiang Wan Ying's speed, but he can glide with more control and less effort. He focuses on the outlines of the hanging lanterns, still lit among the wreckage, and aims for a space just above one of them. Just as he is about to reach his destination, the lanterns go out. Lang Wang Ji cups his wings to break hard, hissing at the sudden strain as he skids against the roof, knocking several tiles of it in a loud clatter. From the other end of the roof, a face down Zhang Wan Ying groans and pushes himself up onto his elbows, his wings still beating in his attempt to soften his landing. He seems, otherwise, unharmed. The sounds of screams and clashing steel are muted now. They no longer seem to be emanating from the courtyard. Instead, the battle seems to be raging in the building underneath their feet. Lang Wang Ji gestures to Zhang Wan Ying and carefully begins prying up roof tiles. Zhang Wan Ying follows his lead, crouching down to press his face against one of the gaps. Lang Wang Ji kneels next to him and does the same, staring at the figures locked in combat below. The Wen soldiers are screaming, slashing and shooting at a wave of unarmed assailants who surge forward without hesitation, undeterred by any wound. The screeching notes of Adid's carry over the cacophony. 
Lang Wangji rushes to the edge of the roof, following the sound, but his vision cannot pierce the haze that surrounds the compound. Lang Wangji, Zhang Wenying hisses. Lang Wangji's eyes dart toward him. Zhang Wenying raises his eyebrows and jerks his head once before spreading his half-heeled wings and taking a running leap off the roof, sailing over the far wall towards the forest. Lang Wangji inhales sharply and chases after him, but his wings make him unsteady and he veers off course, barely clearing the wall before crashing amongst a copse of trees. The cliff is somewhere off to his right, but he can't tell where Zhang Wenying landed. With bated breath, he starts to creep forward, trying to follow the Dietz's frenzied melody. Purple light streaks through the sky a moment later. Long Wangji runs towards it and nearly collides with Zhang Wanying, who's standing in a small clearing and holding Zdian over his head like a beacon. Zhang Wenying nods at Lang Wangji, turning toward the sound of the deeds with a determined expression. All of a sudden, he falters. Shit. A multitude of red eyes appear between the trees, glowing with menace. Lang Wangji whirls around, eyes searching the darkness for a way out, but he finds none. With a harsh sigh, he takes a step backwards, his white wings brushing up against Jiang Wenying's golden blue as he curses the absence of a sword and Gyu Kin. The two of them can barely defend themselves, and they aren't strong enough to fly. They will lose this fight before it even begins. To the north, south, east, and west four corners of the world, greetings from the wild era desert of the American Southwest. I'm your host, Chaos Blue, and this is the Fanfic Maverick Podcast. Our special guest fan fiction writer today is Dragon Girl G. She has been a member of AO3 since 2015, and she has 114 fan fiction stories posted for fandoms like Harry Potter, the MCU universe, and the Untamed. She's been writing fan fiction since the Yahoo Groups and GeoCities fan site days. Hell yeah! She has translated parts of the MDCS novel from Chinese to English just for fun, which is amazing. She enjoys singing and plays the piano and other instruments. And she is also a bubble tea addict. Dragon Girl G, thank you so much for being here today. Welcome to the show. How you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being here. I have to ask, because I play the piano too, what is your favorite thing to play on the piano? Oh, good question. So I was classically trained, so I got all that, you know, repertoire with Beethoven, Chopin and all that. But my favorite thing to play is actually Chinese pop songs. Yes! Because I like to sing with them. (laughs) (laughs) Yes! And that's always the way it is, right? Like you learn the hard stuff, the classical stuff, right? Yes. Because your teachers are like, you have to. But then... Then you learn how to play the fun stuff. And that's the stuff that you play over and over and over again. (laughs) Exactly. That's the whole point. I I mean, (laughs) I remember that the hardest thing that my teacher ever made me learn for a piano recital when I was like 14 or something, she wanted me to learn Rachmaninoff, you know, 
And I was like, oh my gosh, Rachmaninoff. And it was one of those pieces that's like really fast, you know, like the finger work on that is like insane. Yes. So I learned this Rachmaninoff piece and I'm like, okay, th- that that was the crowning achievement of my piano career because it was just like awful. Uh, but I love the song. But then after that, I played nothing but Final Fantasy sheet music that I found online in the 90s nice. that I would print off and play on the piano. <laughs> <laughs> and to this day, like, that's pretty much all I know how to play anymore is uh, Final Fantasy music. So there you go. <laughs> I mean, that's good music. Yes. To be fair. I had that. Right? I printed out, what was that? Eyes on Me? Mm-hmm. That, yeah, that's the one I have from, from Final Fantasy. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I don't know what all this sheet music was doing on the internet at that time. Yeah. But it was on Amazing. there. Yeah. yeah. So you could, you could print it off. I did. I had a binder when I was like 15 years old and all it had was, uh, you know, Final Fantasy sheet music. And then my dad, my dad, who only likes classical music. You know, he would hear me playing these songs and he'd be like, that's so beautiful. What is this? Is this Chopin? And I'm like, yeah, dad, it's Chopin. Like, (laughs) you know, and he never knew. The Moon Waltz, that was one of his favorite songs. And he thought it was Chopin. So cool. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) so I want to know how you first discovered fan fiction. And I would really love to know what your experiences were with Yahoo Group's and GeoCities fan site, since you mentioned that for your bio. So whatever you can tell us about your discovery of fan fiction and what that was like for you. Okay, so I first discovered fan fiction because of my older sibling. So this is back in Web 1.0 days. We were both fans of Backstreet Boys, the boy band. Nice, yes. <laughs> my older sibling was browsing the internet back in the Wild West days and found fan fiction of Backstreet Boys and was like, Jack Girl G, you have to see this. And so <laughs> we read it together. It was a self-insert fan fiction, but not in the the way that self-insert is now with like the your name. It, no, it was like an original female character, but you could project onto. <laughs> and you could read about this... Uh, character like getting in a relationship with the different boy band members <laughs> it's very exciting for me to discover this new form of storytelling because i could like live out my you know preteen fantasies <laughs> through this yes see and that's what i have been trying to tell people you know reader insert is very popular now right and, and that's great i've got nothing against it i don't understand it personally but i think it's you know great for the folks that love it But I try to explain to people, like, back in the day, back in my day, we didn't have that shit. Like, we had the OC characters called Mary Sue's. Right. And uh, that's what it was, you know? And you knew. You knew that that Mary Sue was like a self-insert of, like, the author, right, that you could project on. Yeah. But that's what it was, you know? I love that. (laughs) As for GeoCities and Yahoo groups, yeah, it was, they were so prevalent when I first like around this time when the Backstreet Boys fan fiction <laughs> was discovered, like GeoCities was taking off and everybody was making their own sites. Same with Yahoo groups. And so I just kind of joined the trend. <laughs> I learned, I made my own GeoCities sites and my parents were really happy because they were like, oh, she's learning HTML. She's going to be a computer scientist. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that didn't happen. But... <laughs> It did give me some useful skills and then Yahoo groups as well. Just like, it's just sort of a nice sense of community, you know, and like getting to know other people in fandom, especially older people who had more 
life experience and had good writing skills. So I was in this writing group for a while for original fan fiction for like fantasy novels. And that was a really interesting experience, actually, like people just sharing their writing and talking about it and giving each other feedback. It was like, nice, safe, <laughs> not really that competitive or anything. I feel like it's much more competitive these days. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, no, for sure. For sure it is. But oh, my God, those Yahoo groups were so pivotal to the fandom experience online back in the 90s, early 2000s. You know, I feel like we have a lot of people out there in the fan fiction community that are just too young to remember what Yahoo groups were or are just not familiar with that. Real quick, for those people who don't know what that is, could you explain real quick what a Yahoo group was? Uh, yeah, it was like a, a it's sort of like a forum you could, how do I explain this? <laughs> it's like a forum and also an email group. And you would basically go into the Yahoo group and make a post. And you could also, you know, receive that post by email and respond by email and uh, just kind of communicate with people that way. You could upload files and so you could look through people's works and, you know, have discussions about them. And it was pretty much like, yeah, it, like a little, a little community and almost like, People either had them for fandom genres, like the AU group, or the a particular ship, or a particular fandom. And some people just, actually a lot of people just made their own. <laughs> so they're like, you know, my fan fiction. And then you would just join to get their updates on their fan fiction, or, you know, thoughts on their writing process, or behind the scenes work. And you just be there with a bunch of other fans who were also of that work. Yeah, you know, that reminds me of what folks are doing these days. You see a lot of fan fiction authors creating Discord servers for yes. their like really popular fan fictions. And you have these whole Discord servers just popping up all over the place for specific authors and specific works. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of the, uh, the younger folks don't realize that we were doing the same thing with the Yahoo groups. The Yahoo groups actually made it so that anybody could create a Yahoo group. It was a little bit different than those old school news groups that were popping up, at, you know, in the early 90s when uh, not just anybody could have a news group server. Right. You know, you kind of had to be special to be able to do that. But these Yahoo groups made it a little more democratic in the sense that uh, anybody could make one, you know. Uh, some of them were private, some of them were not. But yeah, it was just kind of this thing where you had, you know, community members that you could chat with on a daily basis about stuff that you were into. And it was kind of a cool thing. We were talking before the recording started about how how insular these uh, experiences were, but also how cool, because you really got a chance to know your fellow Yahoo group community members on a one on one basis, you know, so everybody really knew everybody well. And it was a it was kind of a cool thing. Yeah. And it was sort of like, it felt a little bit safer because you could, you know, if you, if it was your Yahoo group, you got to control who was in it, but also, you know, it was just a place for you to post your own work. It wasn't so much like fighting for attention, right? It's just like, if, you know, you knew people in the group were interested in it. And then if it was a bigger Yahoo group, like it was also still moderated and often based around a common interest, like particular ship or, you know, trope or, or fandom. And so like, it was a bit like, you know, like you knew people had something in common with you. Nice. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. It was just a really cool thing. Kind of a bummer that uh, I think it was 2000, was it 2019 that they nuked Yahoo groups altogether. So uh, all of that old data kind of went bye-bye when they did that, which is super sad. <laughs> but for those of us that remember, you know, it was a, it was a wild time. It was very cool. Would you say then 
that your very first fandom was like Backstreet Boys fandom? Or would you consider your first fandom like something else? I would probably consider my first fandom Harry Potter fandom, because I think that's when I first really became active in joining fan spaces. And by joining, I mean lurking. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think... So I was already making up stories about like Backstreet Boys and Sync in my head. And I was even like writing them down, handwritten <laughs> in my little, you know, teen journals. But I think Harry Potter fandom, that's when I went on the internet and discovered there was like, there was a community centered around fan fiction and, and fan works and also just other fan things like, you know, compilations of information and things like that. And so I pretty much joined Harry Potter fandom like, right before the fourth book and so like it just kept growing and growing <laughs> and it was really cool to see that live like no like harry potter I, I feel like a little bit conflicted about it when i look back now but like at the time that the books were being released you know and the fandom was just kind of exploding it was really exciting to see and to, to kind of like uh, interact with yeah, no, I would completely agree with that. I was there when Harry Potter was exploding as well. So I remember all of the, like, what were those things The you know, the archives? Yeah. The uh, Harry Potter archives that sprung up. And then I remember when you could find thousands of fan fictions on fanfiction.net. Yeah. You know, that's mostly what I read over there on FFN was the Harry Potter stuff. And I don't know. I just remember it being this huge you know, thing, like everybody that you knew was involved in the Harry Potter fandom in some way, shape or form. No, was Harry Potter like the first like fandom that you posted your like a fan fiction for for public consumption? It was. Yeah. <laughs> you can actually find the fic on AO3 now because I archived it. <laughs> but I would not recommend reading it. But <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it was I, like I had just gotten like I think, yeah, I had just gotten to creative writing then. I I was at the point in my education where we were doing a lot of fiction and we were being encouraged to do a lot of creative writing, and so I thought, why not apply this to you know the the fandom that I'm really interested in? And so I, I started experimenting with like creative writing, um, you know obviously in school for assignments, but also just on the side for fandom. And I was also reading a ton of fan fiction and just seeing all these people post all these different things. I really encouraged me to kind of just go for it. <laughs> and so that is how I ended up with that, that fan fiction <laughs> posted. Nice. Nice. That sounds like it was a good experience though. I mean, as far as like posting your first fan fiction, you know? It was. I like. I don't really remember what the response was. Now, I, I actually it's stonefanfiction.net, so I could probably go back and check. But like, I didn't always have like good responses. I had some like you know flames or like bad reviews and stuff. But for the most part, like I just kept writing, and so like I feel like I kept getting better. So. Oh, absolutely. That's one of the things that I really enjoyed reading your fan fictions that we'll be talking about today later as we go on. Like, you know, I just I love how smooth and crisp your writing style is. It was just a pleasure to read. So like, it's just so cool that you started posting, you know, a long time ago, and you've just kept going with it. 
despite weird stuff that people say on the internet sometimes, I know for some writers, you know, that can be really difficult to deal with. And I get it. It would be hard for me to deal with too, but I just really admire folks that can kind of like roll with that and then keep going and be like, you know, whatever, you know, I'm having fun. I'm doing me. And you just keep going and you just get better and better. And, and here we are now, right? Talking about it on a podcast. So yeah, thank you. Yeah, I think I got, I mean, I haven't thought about this before, but I think I got really lucky because I started writing fan fiction at the same time I was being encouraged in school. And so I kind of had it coming both ways. Like my teachers were already telling me like, oh, you're a really good writer and, you know, you should keep writing fan, or not, not fan fiction, but you should keep writing fiction. Although I'm pretty sure one of my teachers was involved in fandom. I just didn't know dun, it. Dun, dun, dun. You know, <laughs> I was just like, <laughs> looking back, she, she definitely had some, some, some fanish behaviors. She got uh, some vibes there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I actually, I think I got really lucky because even if I, I got a bad review on fanfiction.net, I still had feedback coming in from a, a formal setting. And so I think that really helped uh, keep me going. And then I think my mother actually like really like liked that I was writing things. And so I didn't really show her like fanfiction, but a lot of the original stuff, she encouraged me. She, she wanted to, she wanted me to submit to like different competitions or compilations and things like that. So I think I had a lot of support going like, in other ways. And I think that was really helpful as well. Oh, I love that. I love to hear that. I think that that is so important in those formative years, right? When we get that positive feedback from the adults in our life who take the time out to recognize that we have an interest in something artistic. And sometimes just those words of affirmation and that encouragement and support is vital, right? Yeah. At those times when we need it as we're developing the skills. So that's really cool to hear. I'm so glad. So I want to know what fan fiction means to you personally. I ask every guest this because uh, I feel like everybody has such a unique perspective on it. And I love talking about this because there's so many things to say about fan fiction, right? For you personally, what makes it unique and compelling and what does it mean to you? Oh, that's such a good question. So right now, at this point in my life, and also in previous points of my life, I think fanfiction acted very much like a sanctuary for me, like from the world, from life pressures, or, you know, things like that. It's just a place like I can go either reading, writing, to just kind of escape for a while and just be in this universe that isn't mine, <laughs> you know, that isn't the one I have to live in, and without any obligations as well, like I am very much of the belief that you should curate your fandom experience. That that's kind of what it's for. And for me, like writing and reading fan fiction doesn't have any like financial, you know, attachments. It doesn't like, I, I can just kind of do it. I have the space to do it. I don't have to think about anything else. I think the other thing I really like about it is it lets me stay in this universe or explore these characters that... I really connected to or that really caught my interest. Lots of like missing moments, character studies, like things that I, I wanted to explore, things that were just hinted at or uh, like dynamics that, you know, seem like they have a lot of potential or were just, you know, explicitly in the, in the canon. I just really like exploring that and kind of living in that space for a little while. 
not really a matter of like self-projection or anything like that, but just kind of like exploring things that maybe, you know, I felt emotionally connected to. And then the third reason is that I think it's really cool because it's sort of like tapping into the tradition of like oral storytelling or like, you know, how stories just get passed down through different generations or among different people, but then adapted to, you know, that person's perspective or values or, or society. And I think like fan fiction is a really nice form of that. And the other nice form of that is that it's, it's free. Like it's, it's not attached to sales or marketing or anything or, you know, social media presence necessarily. <laughs> like it's, it's just kind of like a, a gift of a story that people can pass around. That was a long answer. <laughs> no, it's perfect. It's perfect. And I love point three because I've often had that same outlook on fan fiction. I feel like it really does tap into that oral storytelling tradition that so many cultures have and still have. Many of them still have that. And the fact that it is free, that just sort of reinforces that for me because that's what oral storytelling was always about right? <laughs> you would always just gather your, you know, community members around the campfire and you would tell these stories. And those are the things that, that shaped us, right? It shaped our outlooks on life. It shaped the way that we moved through the world. And, and it was a wonderful way for us to explore. These were the stories of us, you know, yeah. they really were. And I feel like fan fiction allows us to do that in a modern sense, that even though we're taking content from an established canon these stories that are being created by by fan fiction writers around the world these are still our stories these are the stories of us and i don't know anything that's more cool than that <laughs> it's very very cool well today we're talking about the untamed fandom i had a couple of folks reach out to me recently and ask for an untamed episode which i thought was a fantastic idea we haven't covered this on the show before and i'll be completely honest and say that i have zero background with this particular fandom so i'm afraid that i don't have a whole lot of insight which you know i'm super excited to have you here today to give us that insight and kind of go into detail for us a little bit here since i don't know anything about it the only thing that <laughs> The only thing I will say about this fandom, um, and shout out to the uh, the good folks at uh, Canonically Incorrect for uh, shooting me a link because I forgot all about this. But a couple of years ago, I do recall, and do you, tell me if you remember this, Dragon Girl G. There was there was a fan fiction writer a couple of years ago, and they were writing this uh, this massive untamed fan fiction, and they decided that they were going to tag everything. Oh, is this? Do you remember times? that? Yes, it's sexy times with Wang Xian. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> yes, I yes. saw that happening live. Oh my yes. god! Oh my god! Well, <laughs> you know, there are certain fan fiction tags on Ao3 that I filter for, which will go unnamed, and uh, yeah, those tags were in this story. So I remember for months having to scroll past this story every yeah. day yeah. and it would take me like five minutes to get past it because there were seriously like thousands of tags yeah. on this one fan fiction <laughs> it was a nightmare experience across fandoms it's like, it just... you know we were talking about fandom drama before we um hit record here and i don't want to go into fandom drama on the show that's not what the show is about but i would like to know 
for this one particular instance with that one particular fan fiction, you know, it didn't just affect the folks in The Untamed. That was affecting folks all across, you know, this plethora of fandoms and tags and things like that. So I feel like this was kind of a a general we experience as far as we on AO3. So was there a lot of online drama and chatter about that when that was going on? <laughs> um, there, yes. I mean, I think people, first people thought it was funny. Like, you know, it's kind of funny. Like, you know, this, this trollish behavior, how far are they going to go? You know, there was a lot of speculation, like, you know, what, how far can they go? But there was also a lot of drama. Yeah. Because people were like, what, what? Is there going to be something done about this? <laughs> so, it was sort of a unifying experience, like across fandoms and in like the Untamed fandom and uh, MDZS and the adaptations. Because people were like, "This is like this is out of control," <laughs> like, <laughs> and like, what can we do about it? Like, do we send more tickets to Ao3? Because I know they got a lot about it. I sent one myself. I I am sorry, AO3 support team. I know, I, like everybody was spamming you, but <laughs> like, <laughs> I know, I know that was a crazy time for them too because they were like, "What do we do?" Yeah, I remember seeing the fan fiction, you know, pop up so many times in my feed, and uh, and I told you, like, I am not a big like social media person, so I don't. I wasn't on Twitter at the time. So I don't know what the chatter was on Twitter. I wasn't on Tumblr at the time. So I don't know what people were saying on Tumblr at the time for that. But I remember that I was reading the news on my phone one day and there was a news article about this fan fiction. (laughs) Yeah, they had actually interviewed the author of this fan fiction. And I was like, oh, my Lord, like. I know that fan fiction. I see it every day. I have to scroll past it all the time. So it was just nuts that they went so far with it that they had news outlets reaching out to them and interviewing them about this like experience. It was crazy. It's so, yeah. I mean, it, it's so funny to think about like from like a sociological perspective, I guess. Like it's, it's really funny because we were all like just on the edge of our seat, like waiting to see how far they would go. <laughs> yeah. And they went. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> like, right, actually people right. came up with like really innovative solutions i know like you know people were sharing like the i forget what you call it the site skin yeah the site skin to block a specific user you know to block that author block that title and then someone came up with like a tags generator from the tags that were on the fan fiction <laughs> and like Someone took like, a screenshot of all the tags and they, I don't know, they captioned it like, this is what you see when you die. Like, <laughs> <or something>. <laughs> <laughs> because, like, like you couldn't worthy. even read them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it was really funny, but also like really painful for, you know, anyone who wasn't on AO3 at the time. Like, and I think that, you know, they eventually got suspended for putting a death threat in their author's note. So oh, then it's stopping funny. No. It's like, oh, right. you're not a good person. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. it just got to the point where I think they attracted too much attention yeah. off of it, you know, and I'm not sure that they necessarily intended for that to happen, you know, but yeah, it just kind of spiraled out of control at a certain point, which, you know, feels almost inevitable in today's day and age so i don't know i don't know i just i I do remember that and i i haven't thought about that for years until the canonically incorrect folks i was talking about oh yeah i'm gonna do untamed here in a couple weeks and they uh they sent me this link and were like remember when and i go (laughs) oh i forgot all 
about that. That's crazy. That's right. So yeah, that's the only connection I have to The Untamed. I, I did start watching some of the episodes of The Untamed on, on Netflix because I just kind of wanted to see what this was all about. And I was telling you that I was impressed by the storytelling. I was impressed by like the slow burn quality of the storytelling. Nothing feels rushed or like weird, you know, to me as far as like how they're telling the story. So I can absolutely see why people get really sucked into these kinds of stories and uh, and really attached to the characters here. So I was hoping that you could tell us about your background with The Untamed. How did you get into this particular fandom? And what are your favorite things about it? So I binge watched The Untamed in February 2020, right at the start of the pandemic. And it was partially because I saw a lot of gift sets on Tumblr and I was like, I got really intrigued because it's a very beautiful show with beautiful people <laughs> and settings. And I really wanted to see what that was about. And I also was curious because I hadn't watched a Chinese drama in like 10 years. And I was curious to see how, like, how Chinese dramas had changed and also whether <laughs> it kind of tests my own Chinese skills. And so, what I love about it is that it really has everything. It, Like you said, it takes its time and it really lets you explore a whole bunch of different things like an intense romance, tragedy and, you know, resolutions and grief. Um, sorry, I'm totally spoiling this for you. <laughs> <laughs> no, go for it because I, I've read enough about it that I, you know, I expect those types of things to happen in the story, yeah. which I'm looking forward to. Yes. <laughs> so there's tragedy. There's there's sort of like bittersweet endings. There's happy endings. You know, there's sort of generational trauma, which I, I find really interesting to explore. And then characters just driven by conflicting values. They're not wrong. They're not immoral. You know, they're just different. And that causes so much friction among family members, among friends. And, you know, uh, like, there's like political and social like class issues that are explored. So there's really, I think there's just something for everyone. And like, I think for me personally, I think my favorite thing is the main couple, Len Wangji and Wei Wuxi. And I just think there's, there's so much back and forth between them. They're kind of like a big push pull. And I find that really interesting to explore. And then my, the other thing I really like about it is the relationship between Wei Wuxi and, and the Zhang siblings. Zhang Cheng and Zhang Yanli. I think like his place in the Zhang family, his relationship with the two of them and their parents, it's just really, really fascinating to me because it's, it's just really, really like complex and there's so much tragedy. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. So I, I have this question, this burning question, and um, I don't know if you know the answers to these. It's okay if you don't. Do we know if this is being filmed in China? Oh, yeah. It is filmed in China. Or it was. Okay. It was, yeah. <laughs> it is filmed in China. Okay. Now, I haven't gotten this far, right, in the story, so I don't know the answer to this, but the relationship that I see in fan fiction between Lang Wanxi and Wei Wuxian, is that endgame canon? Are they, like, actually romantically involved in the actual canon of this story? Oh, that's a good question. Okay. So, <laughs> um... It's a little bit complicated because, so the, the novel, the source material, they do canonically end up together, married, well, kind of like unofficially married, I guess, and, you know, living together and everything. So that is like, in the text, the way that The Untamed was adapted, there's sort of like, in the last episode, there's a series of like three or four scenes. And depending on which version you watch, 
they're edited differently. So, for example, in the Japanese version, the one that was released in Japan, they do get together at the end. They're together at the end. But in the version that was released in China and, you know, on all the streaming platforms, it's cut so that it looks like they end up separated. But, like, <laughs> so it, it, it's sort of like, you can attribute it to censorship or it looks bittersweet, but in reality, like they're together. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. But even in the versions that were released, you know, in the States and in China, it's still heavily implied that they're like, there's romantic feelings between these two male characters, right? I think so. Yeah. I think the way they adapted it, they, they didn't necessarily make it explicit, but the, a lot of the beats that you would expect for a, a romantic couple were still put in there. And so it's, I think it, it left it open enough for interpretation that, you know, they could air it. But like, the people who were looking for the romantic relationship, you know, either because they read the novel or just kind of getting it from the show, they, they could also see that. So. Uh, okay. I had wondered about that because I, I was watching these episodes and my brother walks into the room as I'm watching. And uh, he's not a fandom guy, but he's, uh, you know, so cool with all of the fandom stuff that I'm into. And sometimes he'll sit there for a few minutes and he'll ask questions, you know. And he was looking at this and he goes, well, I thought that this kind of a thing would have been absolutely banned, you know, by the Chinese government. Like, this doesn't seem like something that they would be into. And as I was thinking about what he's saying, I'm remembering these news stories about Chinese fan fiction writers being jailed right? for yeah. writing inappropriate, you know, materials and things like this. So it kind of like brought up that question for me, like, how is this being allowed, <laughs> I guess, to kind of filter through like Chinese government censorship? Because it does seem like they crack down kind of hard in certain instances, at least on stuff like this. So I just I was very curious about that. Yeah, I don't like know all the details, but I my view on it is that censorship works because you don't know the rubric. <laughs> and so, like, people, like, there is a queer community in China. There is queer fiction and queer media um, and queer art. And, like, you know, people are going to make their things. And, like, because there's no, like, hard line or real, there's no, like, really clear definition of what's allowed and what's not there's it, like and so it's a little bit of a matter of chance uh, it's a little bit of a matter of like what form of media are you trying to release to the public and you know like what kind of like what context is all of this happening in so i think that's that's kind of what's happening <laughs> Yeah. Oh, so it's kind of this nebulous thing where it's very nebulous. You could yeah. get in trouble, you could not. Right. And it's that's how they keep you on your toes, you know, like <laughs> so cuz if everybody knew what the rules were, then it would be easier to get around them, right? But like because no one knows exactly what the rules are, you know, that makes it easier to yeah. <laughs> Does that make sense? <laughs> no, yeah. it it totally makes yeah. sense. It totally makes sense. And, it, you know, I, I'll admit that I'm like, I don't know very much about it. I've just heard stories through the grapevine. I have heard stories of fan fiction writers and readers in different parts of the world where this is an issue sometimes have to 
you know, access the internet through complicated VPN networks. They're very careful about uh, staying anonymous online and very careful about what they post, when they post, where they post, because these things could potentially get them into trouble. And I just think it's very brave of people who do have to look over their shoulders and they do it anyway because they uh, they have to. Now, you know, I was curious about like particular tropes for Untamed, right? Because like I have been involved in many different fandoms over the years and it's always funny to me that in each fandom I've ever been in, there seems to be this collection of like tropes or AO3 tags that seem like special and unique to that specific fandom. Like Hydra Trash Party, right? Like that's yeah. a tag that we all know, or hopefully we all know, originated <laughs> in the MCU fandom and has bled out to other fandoms at this point. But like that is an example of something that's like super unique to a specific fandom. I was wondering if the Untamed has anything like that with specific tags or tropes that are unique to the Untamed. This is kind of a hard question, actually. So I have to think really hard about this one. Um, <laughs> so... I think there is a trend with playing on the character names and adding tropes to them or adding specific like traits to them. So for example, Wei Wuxian as main character, sometimes you'll have like a fandom trend like cheer Xian, which is like cheerleader Wei Wuxian or fox Xian, which is like fox creature Wei Wuxian or, you know, mythological fox creature from Chinese mythology or like Mershian, like merman Wei Wuxian. And same thing with like Lamangji. They take like the G and they add like a, a, like a trait to it. Like I'm trying to think, I wrote down some examples, dragon G or noodle G, which is sort of the same as dragon G, uh, like, you know, Mergy for merman creature. So I think that's pretty like prevalent among certain fandom spaces it's attached to the untamed and you'll sometimes see that in AO3 tags as well. I think I'm trying to think other tags. Wangxian.mp3 or Wuji.mp3 is kind of a reference to their like to the main couple and like their love song. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, which is canonical. So. Oh I love it. Yeah. yeah that's really funny. There's a lot of different ship combos using portmanteaus, you know, just like in any other fandom. But one specific one is three zwin or san zwin, which is like this trio of like three characters who are like in canon, they're like sworn brothers. But like, you know, people put them together romantically and like to explore that dynamic. So I think that's a unique one. I don't know. I can't. <laughs> oh, those are good. Yeah. Those are all fantastic because, you know, they sound like super unique to this specific fandom. And I just love that. I love when these communities can come together and sort of like, it's like this mass headcanon almost, you know, that happens. And everybody just kind of decides like, yeah, this is it, you know, and they all start using the same tags and the same, you know, ideas and headcanons. And it's just this beautiful thing. I like it personally. I think it's very interesting and wonderful to kind of like get into the specific like culture of a specific fandom and just kind of see what's going on over there. What are y'all up to? <laughs> you know? Yeah, I really, I think the, the, the wordplay on the character names and then it's not just the two main characters, but people do it for like other, like other characters in the show as well. Like they just add like a attribute and then they're like, it's, you know, 
whatever, Chicken Shein Week or whatever. <laughs> so, like, then everybody will do, like, art or, you know, little ficklets of, like, chicken. Wait, was she another chicken or something? You know, so, like, <laughs> I'm just like, okay, I guess that's the trend this week or whatever, this month. <laughs> yeah. Oh, how much fun, though. That's so cool and interesting. I love to see when fandoms do cool stuff like that. You know, because it means y'all are having fun with it. And yeah. at the end of the day, isn't that the point, right? Yeah. Let's have yeah. fun. <laughs> I did want to kind of talk about uh, the Untamed and also just maybe see dramas like in particular, like kind of from a cultural perspective. I understand that you are Chinese diaspora. I would love to hear your thoughts about the Untamed from that particular perspective. I know that shows like this have, you know, fans from all over the world, all different kinds of different folks love The Untamed and everything. And I imagine that a lot of us don't or might not have much prior exposure to Chinese culture. So I was wondering, uh, for those of us that don't, what are some things that you would want us to know? Oh, gosh, <laughs> I'm gonna have to word this really carefully so I don't get canceled by like 75% of the fandom. <laughs> but like, I think I can speak very generally in that like, a lot of the friction that comes between people of Chinese background, and who are closer to Chinese culture, you know, and, and like, versus the people who are less familiar with it, I think a lot of it comes from like feedback. <laughs> like, how do we create a space where, you know, if something is really, like, blatantly offensive, like, how do we create a space where we can give somebody that feedback without attacking them as a person? So I think fandom in general, like, English language fandom was founded on the idea that, you know, transformative works means you can do whatever you want with the canon and the characters. And I, like, totally support that. Um, and the other, like, trend, I guess, or the other prominent idea I see is that if you can't give positive feedback on fanfiction, then you should not give feedback at all. And I also support that, you know, especially, like, for people, you know, like, fanfiction is free, people are writing for free. But I think, like, a lot of the friction comes when, you know, okay, if you see something that's, like, very offensive, like a microaggression in a story or a racist like portrayal or something like that like how do you point that out without it turning into like you know a huge fight and so I guess like my like what I would like to happen is like just keep an open mind like like inevitably you're going to interact with media using your own cultural framework and your own personal experience to interpret that media like that's sort of just what people do right like <laughs> like but i guess i would encourage everyone to kind of keep an open mind and like think okay maybe like you know like be aware that it is a culture that's like not your own and so maybe question some of your assumptions think okay maybe like i'm missing some context here you know maybe there's like a, a language issue or translation issue or you know just some like kind of cultural thing I'm less aware of. And then the good thing about the Untamed fandom is that at this point, having, you know, existed for a few years, there are a lot of resources, lots of meta, lots of compilations of like different like translation corrections and things like that, that can be found. And so, you know, I guess I would encourage people to like, like tap into that, double check sources, like evaluate whether, you know, 
the metas have like are are well supported with good evidence either you know from the show and the subtitles you know is it a good translation or are they using like the novel is it like how has the novel been translated you know has that been properly applied as evidence and then i think the other thing would be like i guess just be open to feedback but also be clear if you want feedback or not because i think a lot of like frustration comes when people see like something in a fic that doesn't that that kind of rubs the wrong way but they don't know how to like express that you know to to the author because they're not sure like how the author's going to respond and and so then like the resentment kind of builds and then you end up with like these explosions and <laughs> like in fandom and so yeah i think that's part of it like uh, you know i like have definitely read some things where i'm like oh no that's like you know someone used the wrong title like you know or something like that and i just reach out privately uh and i'm like hey you might want to fix that spelling or you know title or whatever but it's always been people i know will receive it well like i there have been some stories i'm like i want to point that out but i am really afraid that there's going to be backlash and so like i don't know if that's <laughs> that extra answer to the question but <laughs> oh the other thing is like i think especially in a fan fiction space sometimes there's a a trend where people are sort of looking for permission to write something and so they're looking for permission from, you know, one Chinese person or one Chinese diaspora person to write something. And they, you know, they're not necessarily hearing, like, if you really want to put this in a Chinese cultural, like, context, maybe, you know, your character will not behave that way or something like that. And so I, I think there's sort of a, a little bit of frustration for for people who are who want to share the Chinese culture, but then they feel like they're not being listened to, like because people are just seeking validation instead of like listening. And so that, I don't know. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like it went on forever. I don't even know if I answered the question. <laughs> yeah, no, I appreciate that. I appreciate that because we, we don't have a whole lot of opportunity to talk about it on the show. And I know that these things have come up in discussion many times, you know, in fan fiction communities and stuff. And I think that your assessment of this being like a super complicated topic for everybody is spot on. People get very emotional about these topics. And I think it is really just it is really difficult because, you know, it's an open forum. It's an open space with people from all over the world. And so sometimes I do feel like we all sometimes make assumptions about who we're speaking with yeah. <laughs> online, you know, and we just kind of assume that everybody's from our cultural background or has, you know, our understanding of the story or, you know, our same experiences and stuff. But I think that it is important to have these types of discussions or at least to start to have these types of discussions. And I love the idea of being able to have these discussions with one another without it spiraling, I guess, into what people feel like are, are personal attacks. Because I, I do feel like there are some folks that, for whatever reason, you know, sometimes feel personally attacked, right? <laughs> and when they get that type of feedback. And I can understand that sometimes being like an initial knee jerk reaction. 
you know, especially I think we were talking before the show about, you know, the toxic stuff that goes down on social media channels, you know, with discussions about fandom and fan fiction and, you know, ships and, and things like that. So it can sometimes be like a topic that we shy away from because we're just so scared of getting canceled or we're so scared of like starting a drama, you know, or and we, you know, most of us, I think, in in the community are like very cool people who genuinely don't want to make anybody feel like they're being personally attacked as a person, you know, like I think in most cases we're never trying to say like, you're a bad person for, you know, putting that in your fan fiction right. or whatever. Right. But, you know, many of us are trying to just spread awareness, right? We're not attacking anybody. We're just trying to make people aware that, hey, like that thing there could be seen as culturally offensive or that thing there is not entirely accurate. Or, you know, I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say here, except that I do feel like it is it's a very difficult topic to talk about. But I think it is important. It is important because, you know, at the end of the day, like we're all just trying to have a good experience. I want to have a good experience and I want others who come from different backgrounds than me to have a good experience as well, you know? And so there needs to be ways that we can foster that in a in a healthy way. <laughs> you know, I absolutely don't have the answers to any of it, but I do think it's important to think about and talk about on occasion because, uh, yeah, at the end of the day, I just want everyone to ha have a good experience. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's it's hard. Like, People will, you know, it's hard to like really evaluate like, okay, is the source right? Or, you know, especially it's a skill, like, right? Like writing metas is a skill, evaluating metas is a skill, like if it holds up to like, you know, a good argument or not, or people just like, you know, taking random excerpts and calling it something else, you know, or something like that. So I think it would be really like, and it, it takes a lot of energy to like kind of like foster kind of these kinds of discussions and create those spaces. But I think it would be really nice if like, you know, there was a space to do that. And also just, yeah, I think, you know, when you're interacting with a culture that's not your own, you know, by all means, like enjoy the show, you know, enjoy the, the media, you know, and like connect with the characters and write the stories. Like, I don't think any fic premise is inherently like racist or anything. Like, I just think like, okay, when you're approaching it, like, you know, just kind of like keep an open mind and, you know, read through those resources and kind of try to get an idea of like, like what the deeper context might be. And then, you know, ask, ask questions. Don't, but don't ask for permission because that's really frustrating. Like, just ask for information. Like, if you have a question, but don't go and seek validation. Like, can I write this? Like, uh, you know, nobody's going to be able to answer that. So, so yeah. <laughs> right right yeah that level of awareness ought to be there right that level of awareness and that willingness to learn yeah i don't know i think that willingness to listen too, to listen without judgment and like you said that willingness to seek out resources so you know like you said i love how you put that that you know by all means enjoy these things that come from different cultures and things like that but I think it's part of being a good community citizen, yeah. <laughs> right, to uh, to have that open mind and to seek out resources and to listen to people and to do your best not to, you know, if it's not a personal attack. <laughs> yeah. You know, you don't have to see it that way. Okay. So, no, thank you. Thank you so much for going there with me. Um, I just kind of wanted to, to touch on that really quick and and throw our two cents out there <laughs> for that for that conversation. 
Now, the two fics that we're talking about today for you, fantastic fan fictions, by the way. I, I mentioned earlier that I loved reading these. Like, I love your writing style. It's so clean <laughs> and crisp and just like, ugh, I love it. It's so good. The first one that I read was the one shot, Ghost Feathers. It's so amazing. I've, I've never encountered a story quite like this before. I loved it. And then the second one, To Bear the Burden of Humiliation. Both of these feature Lang Wangji as a central character, which I, I'm familiar with him from the show. <laughs> Tell me all about this dude. Like, what's the best part of writing for this character? What is he all about? Oh, gosh. Yeah, he is the easiest character for me to write. And I think it's because there is so much under the surface. Like, it's everything is very subtle. He's always sort of like observing and internalizing things and, you know, responding in very subtle ways. So I think for me, it's really easy to get into his head. Like I can just spend a long time in there. <laughs> like I really like that there's this resistance of like his internal desires, you know, either his attraction to Wei Wuxian, for example, versus his like external obligation that there's like so much like friction between these and it, that like I really, he he's really like it's walking, you know this this walking ball of conflict basically oh, <laughs> internally God, <yes>. already. <laughs> and I really like also like the social aspects. He like like he uses his rules, right? His clan rules to navigate these social situations, and he's sort of like lonely, like you know because he you know has this pressure to be the perfect disciple, and he. Um, you know, it, it puts him on this like pedestal that like, you know, people don't want to approach him. And like, I think that that familial pressure, that sort of like a social outcast, you know, I think that's all very relatable. <laughs> um, and so the, the familial pressure is very relatable, actually, <laughs> especially like in a Chinese way. And then like the social outcast, I think, you know, you could read him as neurodivergent. And I think that also appeals to me as well. Like, I, I can really relate to some of the social um, difficulties there. Ooh, I love that. Those are all really interesting things that I noticed too. You know, and obviously I'm not that far into the show, but just like my initial introduction to this character, you know, I, I noticed right away, oh my goodness, he's almost not his own person, you yeah. know, because he does have such pressure with the familial expectations that were sort of put on him. And I do feel like also they're almost the sense of pride for him in a way, right? Yeah. Because he's so good at it, you know? He's so good at it. And so everything that he does is just steeped in these rules and family expectations. And what do you do with that when you're trying to navigate in the real world with other yeah. people who don't have that same background? And yeah, like I can totally see what you're saying about how as he's navigating social situations with other people, he doesn't have anything else to draw on but these rules. That lends itself to some really awkward like, interactions with others, but he doesn't know any other way to be. Yeah. You know? So I don't know. I'm excited to see what happens because I imagine that as you go on uh, interacting with other people who don't come from the same background with these same rules that you do, that uh, you're going to have to learn a little bit and going to have to... I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very interesting to see kind of his evolution. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah, that's a good way to put it. You kind of have to evolve a little bit yeah. from like where you came from to be able to incorporate other ways of being and other perspectives that might be just as valid as yours. Ghost Feathers I really loved because 
it's the type of fic that I don't see come around that often, right? Like to me, I was just like, oh, this is kind of like a like a dark mystery fic <laughs> yeah, almost, yeah. you know? They're kind of investigating this mystery. And, and that was really interesting because um, you do see something called case fic that comes up, you know, in different fandoms and stuff. And I see it come up. I feel like I see it come up rarely. And maybe that just goes to show the type of fan fiction that I read a lot. <laughs> you know, I'll leave that up to y'all's imagination. So, uh, <laughs> but I, I loved this. I loved it. Can you tell us, like, just generally, what, what is this fic about? What inspired you to write it? And was writing this particular fic different than your experience writing other fics? Yeah, so I cannot claim complete credit for it. So <laughs> this is part of the reverse Big Bang. I picked it up as a pinch hit. And so my artist, who did the, the wonderful arts that's included, actually ha had done all the world building. Like they had a vision <laughs> so for Ooh, this world. Cool. She gave me all her notes and I was really intrigued to explore this because I, it's, it's like a missing moment, but also an AU. You know, it's like a canon setting, but with like the addition of the wings aspect. So I, I was like really interested to explore like, okay, how would, how would like the cultivation world look different if everybody had wings? Like, what would that look like? You know, how, like, what would they be using their wings for? And then also like the case, the case fake aspect, like, which, I don't think I've ever written before. Like, I used to read a lot of them in, like, Supernatural fandom. <laughs> but, like... Oh, yeah! <laughs> but, like... Obviously, that would be a big thing in Supernatural, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think oh, it's... Yeah. um, There are a few in the Untamed, because given, like, the nature of the... Like, the cultivation world where they investigate, like, you know, people's deaths and things like that. Like, there are a few. I, I haven't really read a lot of them, though. But yeah, it was just like a really interesting challenge, like all these different aspects, the wings, like the, but it's still pretty much like canon verse. And then this missing moment. Um, and I think the other really challenging thing for me was taking Zhang Cheng and Lan Wangji because the artist, the artist wanted to kind of like develop a romantic relationship between them. And I was like, how, how, I've never written this ship. <laughs> and at this point in the canon, like these two characters, they're young, like they're hurt and like, you know, they're very, like, closed off from one another. And how do I, like, make that connection happen? Like, that was really an interesting thing to think about. And then I guess the other thing that happened with this fic was it was very collaborative. So not only my artist providing all the world building, but I also worked very closely with my beta, who's also my real life partner. <laughs> and so they uh, really helped, like kind of establish the major beats like the the case fake aspect and the kind of like the the dark mystery the noir vibe we were like we were like really having a good time <laughs> trying to figure out like how do we create a little bit of horror a little bit of darkness like but still like for you know like a little bit of vulnerability for all for these two characters so that they are able to like you know connect with one another and like given their personality what would like a little bit of romance look like between them? Yeah. Oh, I love that. It sounds to me like it was just a dream being able to do this fan fiction because not only are you collaborating with, you know, the artist, which the art was was beautiful. I really enjoyed looking at the art for this piece and then getting to also work with your partner, which I'm sure is always like so wonderful to be able to do that too. Like it just sounds like the collaboration here was just a dream. 
So one of the things that I love the most about how you did this story was how you weaved in the suspenseful moments, you know? Yeah. Because, yeah, it is so, like, it, there's a lot of mystery there, the dark noir, and then there's that, like, buildup of the suspense because as they're, like, traveling around trying to figure out this mystery, they're talking to people who have witnessed this creature, like, come out of nowhere and just destroy whole battalions of people. And you're, like, listening to these firsthand accounts going, oh, that sounds so terrifying, you know? And then, <laughs> yeah. like, and then you have these moments where they're all alone in the dark and they're hearing, like, the snapping of twigs and the rustling of leaves. And, you know, like, you can see eyes, like, looking at you from the forest. It's like, oh, my Lord. So the suspense was just amazing. I absolutely loved it. Like everything about it was just interesting because you do have this AU aspect of like everybody has wings. And it was so interesting to hear your descriptions of the feathers and the different colors of the feathers, depending on what family you come from. And so they can fly, which is amazing. Yeah. And then you have like, you know, the mystery suspense of everything that gets very nicely wrapped up <laughs> at the end. And I was just like, oh, this is so fantastic. Like it was just so unique to uh, a lot of the other fan fictions that I've ever read. So I thought this was just spectacularly done. Thank you. Absolutely. Now, your second fic. <laughs> <laughs> This is uh, darker in a different kind of way. It's called To Bear the Burden of Humiliation. So far, we're at 11 chapters. So this is a work in progress for you. Yes, I'm actually going to update after this. So. Yay! Oh, yeah. I'm excited. Because, yeah, I got through all 11 chapters and was like, well, okay, like, <laughs> we have to wait for the rest of the story to know what happens. But I was so very intrigued by this story. So I'm wondering, like, what themes were you exploring with this fan fiction? What is this one about? And what made you want to write this one? Yeah, so I, it's sort of like a long process for inspiration. So basically back in 2020, like the MDCS kink meme appeared. I love <laughs> well, those actually, kink memes. Oh my I God. Know. <laughs> well, there, there had been one that existed before that, but then... This one appeared on AO3, so it was, like, a little more, like, accessible. And so one of the prompts was, okay, like, you know, Lan Wangji gets taken captive by Wenxi, the older Wen brother. Like, what happened? It's like, really, what happened there? <laughs> like, and so I was really intrigued by that. So the, I think there were a few different prompts. So one of them was, like, you know, he gets, like, he, he gets non-conned. And so watching The Untamed, like, you know, they only interact for about, like, five minutes <laughs> in the show. But, like, you know, so there's, like, kind of, like, two scenes. Like, one where they're fighting and he gets taken captive. And then the other where when she's already dead and Lam Wangji sees, like, his body. And so, like, but the way it was acted, it, it sort of, like, implied that something really big happened between them or you know and so Ooh. like I was really Ooh. intrigued by that yeah classic, classic. I love it yeah. <laughs> so at first I just kind of want to explore that scene and there have been some excellent stories that have been written to fill that prompt um, so I would definitely recommend like you know search like you know Wenxu the Wangji non-con and you'll probably <laughs> find that but then I thought like okay what about like the rest of canon like how would that if, like, 
Lamong Chi had to go through that, like, how would the rest of the canon beats change? How would his relationships change and his, like, his view of himself change? And so it started off there. And I really wanted to see, like, how did Wei Wuxian come in? Like, if they both, like, were experiencing this trauma, you know, either separately, you know, under different captors, you know, or together, like, how how would that change canon and like how would it also stay the same so like i really wanted to see like in canon they're already put under really extreme circumstances but if you added like the the sexual violence element like what would be different about that and i think the theme i really want to explore is that like in extreme circumstances and extreme trauma like how do they still hold on to themselves how do they still resist and like how does this ultimately resolve like with regard to like their captivity and like do they like what are the little ways they they like hold on to power you know and hold on to their autonomy and then like ultimately the end like you know do they get out of it in what way so that is what i want to explore <laughs> yeah no i love that i love that you know <laughs> i i have had conversations with people over the years about these sorts of dark fic themes, right? Because it's fascinating to me. I'm not going to lie. I read a lot of dark fic. That's just my jam. And I've always wondered, okay, why? Right? Like, why are certain people drawn to this type of story? And you could say a lot of different things about that, right? It's not just one thing. Yeah. But I think that one of the things that draws me in is kind of what you were saying there. Because you do get to see characters and stories like this put in extremely traumatic situations, right? Extreme. And what do they do with that? What do they do with that? How are they changed? How do they hold on to their own autonomy? How do they stay themselves? How do they resist, you know? And to me, like, there's just something triumphant, I think, about the human spirit that comes through yeah. in stories like this. And I like to see that. I like to see those sorts of themes played with. You know, unfortunately, in order to do that, sometimes you do have to put these characters in these really awful, extreme uh, circumstances in order to explore that, which you did here. And you're in the middle of doing because the story's not over yet. I think we're anticipating is it uh, we're anticipating about 20 chapters, right? Yeah, it may change like a little bit, like, you know, by one or two. But yeah, it's it should be about 20. Yeah. 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 So there's still lots more to explore. I'm sorry if this is like a spoiler for anyone who hasn't gotten to chapter 11 yet, but I loved that scene where he sort of sacrifices himself a little bit, you know, yeah. because uh, he lets his friend get away. He knows that he has the ability to do that and to let him go. And so he takes that opportunity, even though he knows that it means he's not going to escape this time. Yeah. And he still does it anyway. How heroic is that? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like he knows, he knows his power. He knows because of like the situation he's been placed in, he has a new kind of social power and he's going to utilize it even if he hates it. So yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Which is just so devastating to me because he did have in his grasp for a little while that opportunity to escape. Yeah. You know, they could have tried. They could have. But I think he just made this decision at some point, seeing how like, uh, you know, escape maybe isn't, I don't know, if you if you like, what am I trying to say here? If you like, 
did it in percentages, you know, I guess. Yeah. In his mind, kind of thinking like, okay, you know, what is it? 37% chance that we could escape, you know, and actually get out of here. Or 75% chance that my friend could get out of this. And I have to stay, but I can still do that for him. And sacrifice, like, my safety so that he can leave, you know. And I just think that's tremendous. But of course, like, what I know about this particular character, I feel like he would totally do something like that. You know, yeah. because that is one way that he is holding on to himself, because that's exactly what he probably would have done before all this stuff went down. And so, like, that's classically who he is as a person and continues to be even through all of this, like, really extreme trauma. And I loved that. Thank you. <laughs> I was actually really nervous about how that would be received because, like, oh, they're so close to escaping and everybody wants that, like triumphant ending you know and like i'm like oh but yeah <laughs> no but that's so classic though in stories like this i will tell you because i've read so many of them i actually prefer the ones that don't resolve immediately like i, I prefer the stories that kind of yo-yo back and forth a little bit <laughs> you know because it just makes the resolution at the final ending point like so much better i'm not sure why but I appreciate the ones that kind of uh, take you on a meandering path instead of just a straight point to resolution. So I personally really liked this uh, <laughs> particular part. You know, I kind of wanted to kind of go into a discussion here about dark themes for a moment. I actually had a new podcast episode drop today with another fan fiction writer for Transformers. And we had the opportunity to kind of talk about dark fix a little bit on that episode. I almost feel like I want to continue having conversations like that just because I feel like sometimes the dark fic writing community does have, oh, how would I put this? Sometimes I feel like there's misconceptions yeah. <laughs> about dark fic and dark fic writers and, and the whole thing. And, uh, you know, seeing as how I uh, read a lot of dark fic myself, I feel like, well, that's something that I can talk about and uh, kind of just open up the, the floor a little bit. You know, maybe to just help folks understand where we're coming from, maybe on stuff like this. So um, I personally think that uh, these kinds of stories have a lot of merit, right? They deserve to exist. And I can see that this is not the first non-contact fic that you've posted up for. I mean, you, you have ones in the MCU. I think this is the first one for Untamed that yes. you've done. I'm curious to know about your thoughts on the dark fic category and your own experience with writing and posting stories like this. Yeah, I think dark fic has a, a lot of merit. So I, I think like imagining sexual violence is not unusual. Like I, I think it, it is a part of people's brains. And I think, like, you know, dark fic is a really, like, safe space to explore that because it's fictional. Like, you can take your characters to extremes and, like, at the end of the day, no one gets hurt, right? Like, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's just, just a story. Like, Nobody's hurt. You know, nobody's I, hurt. Yeah. It's just text on a text on a screen or text on a page. And so I think, you know, like, it's not unusual for people to, like, want to imagine this kind of extreme and like what would happen in it and explore that and I think like you know even like not just from the the person who is experiencing this trauma like you know who who is like having things done to them but also from the point of the view of the person doing it it's like a way to like kind of explore like okay what is motivating people to like you know commit such acts of violence and like 
you know, it's a, kind of a safe way to explore that as well, because that's not a question like you can kind of ask in real life without like a lot of different answers that, you know, different biased answers. And so like, I, I think it's a really a form of like empathy, like, you know, obviously for the character who is getting things done to them, but also the person doing them. And it's not necessarily like empathy, like you agree with what they're doing, but it's a way to understand like what motivates them. And I think the other thing about Dark Vic is like, especially like non-con, is that it's sort of a reflection of like the society we live in. Like we we like, I don't know, speaking from like the US, <laughs> we live in a society where like sexuality is you know, people want to control sexuality and there is violence associated with sex and like there's this sort of like lack of bodily autonomy that like people want to impose and so like I think this kind of story is another way to explore that and, and it, it can reflect like you know what is it like to live like you know in a in a country where you know rights are getting taken away or where you don't have rights or things like that and I guess you know another way is it, like if you've experienced sexual violence yourself it's a way to process you know what's happened as well you don't have to have that history to enjoy dark fic or to write it or read it, but it can be helpful for people, you know, who have experienced that. So I think personally for me, like, it's not really like so much a conscious decision. I, I only realize it later or when I'm talking about the story, but a lot of my stories, like the MCU ones and then this one for the Untamed, it's a lot about autonomy, like bodily autonomy. Like what ways are, is it getting taken away and what ways can you reclaim it after, you know, after or even during like this traumatic event? Like you said, there's something very, very like a triumphant and very hopeful about that kind of message, like and exploring that kind of story like you know you can after all this you know you you are changed but like you're not lost and I think that, that I think that's a really important message to have you know like you can you can still have control and reclaim your own life yeah it's a very hopeful message yeah right for a lot of these types of stories which I always appreciate I don't read a whole lot of this type of story that doesn't have a hopeful ending I know that there are stories out there that are just all hurt no comfort you know <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah, and that's totally cool if somebody wants to explore that and do that and stuff like that. I personally, I can't emotionally handle that. <laughs> yeah, so I don't go there. But um, you know, I understand there are a lot of people that do. But I do appreciate those stories that have those hopeful endings. The other thing that occurs to me on stories like this too, the fan fiction community is predominantly made up of folks who have to think in terms of sexual violence. A lot in our actual day-to-day -day real lives, right? This reminds me of about six months ago, I took a walk in the morning before work and it was dark, pitch dark, right? And usually there is nobody out on the streets in my neighborhood <laughs> at pitch dark 6 a.m., right? So I'm out there and out of nowhere comes this man who is walking towards me. He has on a... Um, like a construction vest and he is carrying the biggest shovel I have ever seen in my entire fucking life right and I am all alone and I am thinking either this guy is just on his way to a construction site somewhere around the corner or this dude is gonna like totally kill me right right, like, right. <laughs> but there's nothing I can do right I'm all alone 
And uh, and it turns out that the dude was just minding his own business and, you know, nothing bad happened. But I was telling this story to my dad later on. And I was like, Dad, like, I'm almost 40 years old. And I was so scared of being in the dark with this man and his stupid ass shovel, you know? And I was so mad, too, that this dude kept approaching me on the street without stopping, without crossing the street, with no thought to how I was feeling in that situation. Because, like, you would think that it would occur to this man, like, oh, shit, like, this lady probably thinks I'm going to, like, murder her or something. Yeah. Like, I better cross the street. No, nothing like that. And I'm telling my dad because I'm so mad that this happened and that and how this man handled it. And my dad just looked at me and he goes oh, well, that would have never occurred to me either. And I'm like, are you for real? You know, like, for real. And he goes, yeah. He goes, you know, I'm a dude. Like, I never worry about being murdered, you know, in the dark, on the street. That stuff just never happens to us. And so, like, it's not the first time I have realized that some of us do have to worry about that on a daily basis, right? That that's our reality. But because there is such a disparity between people who initiate this type of violence on people and people who have these things done to them, I do feel like um, for those of us that have to worry about that stuff, what you said about these stories being a safe way for us to explore those things is vital to communities where, you know, these are real possibilities. I mean, not to this extreme, right? <laughs> like, I'm probably not going to get kidnapped by a warlord anytime <laughs> soon. But like you said, sometimes things like this do happen to people in our community. And sometimes this is a safe way for us to explore those experiences. For those of us who just have to deal with the possibility of these things happening to us, these can be interesting, safe ways for us to explore these things. Like you said, how do we hang on to our autonomy? How do we get our identity back? After stuff like this happens, like, how do you move forward from this? You know, how do you explore this in a safe way? I think that fan fiction is a phenomenal way for us to be able to do that, because I know that I feel safer when I'm exploring it through the lens of a character that has nothing to do with me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think even if it doesn't have a hopeful ending, like, I think that's, you know, sometimes you just need to go there. You just, you just need to like, you know, explore what happens there too. Like, you know, because if you never take yourself to that extreme, it will always just be like an unknown, you know, and so like, and uncertainty is causes anxiety, and it like it causes, you know, like this kind of like, it feels like, you know, the fear will always be there if you don't go to that extreme either. So I'm not saying like, you should be reading like, you know, things you don't want. But like, I think that there's merit in those stories as well, like where where maybe there isn't a happy ending. <laughs> like. Yeah, And I would agree with that. Even yeah. though I don't personally like them, right. I know why people create stories like that. Because sometimes we do need to explore the what if of sometimes there's not a happy ending. Sometimes there's not an answer. What do you do with that? And I think that that's completely valid and exceptionally valuable to the community. So like hats off to everybody that writes stories like these, no matter how they go, no matter how they end, <laughs> you know, like they're important. 
I love that they're allowed. You know, I love that we don't have to worry about censoring these types of things. If it's not your cup of tea, obviously, just move on. You know, you don't have to read it. Nobody's forcing you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but there is a huge subset of community that uh, that likes that kind of a thing. So thank you so much for going with me there. I appreciate that. Yeah, thank you. I, I've never, like, said it out loud. Like, oh, I would, I, I will put in a plug for... There's a blog called What is the Hydro Trash Party on Tumblr, and it's got some really good links. Some of them are broken now, but there's links to like these really good posts, these essays about like the value of dark fic and like why it's important. And so I will put in a plug for that just scrolling through the blog now. <laughs> so nice. Okay. I'll make sure to put a link on that up on the show notes because I do think that that's important. I love that there's meta about that. I love that there are discussions about that because God, I remember when the Hydro Trash Party like started getting really popular on AO3 and it felt like there was this huge divide because there were those of us that were like, yeah. And then there were others that were just horrified by it. And they were like, this shouldn't exist. And this is horrible and blah, blah, blah. You know, it's just like, you know, I get, I get why people, you know, some people would be like outraged by that. But again, you don't have to read it. You don't have to read it. <laughs> I got a comment once that was like on my like super long Hydro Trash Party adjacent. I call it adjacent because it's mostly about recovery. It's like 77,000 words. <laughs> like The comment was at the very last chapter. And it was like, I don't know what like why you wrote all this like you know this shouldn't like i'm just trying to understand like why this, sh this story shouldn't be allowed to exist like i kept reading because like i thought like so i was like you read the whole thing and you're telling me i sh that this should not exist like you could have just not read all seventy-seven thousand words so like <laughs> whose fault is it it's not mine that floors me that floors me that people would spend their time and energy reading an entire like seventy-seven thousand word fan fiction and then at the end be like i don't like it like why would you do this and it's like why would you do this like why would you keep reading if you obviously have a problem with it like, yeah why <laughs> Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yo, I have so many things to say about that because, like, the logic does just not compute. I don't understand. I really I like, don't. I think you're just protesting a little too much. I mean, clearly, <laughs> like, something in this story caught your interest to the point that you read it to the end. <laughs> right? Right? Yeah. Clearly, there was some value here, you know, in some way because you kept going to yeah. the very end. So, like, yeah. <laughs> Your heinous comment has been stricken from the record. <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> it's such a fun, like, you know, I deleted it, but like, I have the, the inbox copy, and you know? <laughs> sometimes I look at it, I'm just like, wow, that's hilarious. Like, <laughs> it is hilarious. Like, people, 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 people. Come on. <laughs> like, I hope you work through that, you know, on your own. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Whatever that was for you, I hope you're doing well. <laughs> Oh, well, we have come to the part of the show where I normally ask if you have any other fan fiction writers that you'd like to shout out on the podcast. It could be anybody from any fandom. So just go wild here. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> First, I would like to thank all the people who have written Dark Fig and Paved the Way. I still feel like a little bit like a newbie. So like pave the way for me and anybody else who's interested in exploring these kinds of stories, especially in the Untamed fandom, because I was really scared, like, 
by the time I entered Hydra Trash Party, there was, you know, pretty good, pretty good uh, compilation of, of stories. But the Untamed was, I was like, oh, I don't know, like, if I should go there. And it took me a few years. <laughs> so thank you for everybody who filled those King Kameen prompts and added to that pool. Uh, I guess the other major group I'd like to thank is all the Chinese and Chinese diaspora creators for the Untamed who are sharing their experiences and really like showing like the diversity of perspectives and experiences like either through meta or also fan fiction that reflects their own experiences. I think it's really like interesting to see and kind of like see like these characters through these different lenses culturally because there are differences <laughs> so it's really nice to see that and then who else do i want to thank uh i guess all the people all my fan of friends <laughs> um diaspora community but also the people who also write wump and dark fic and who are friends with me in fandom <laughs> so I don't like, I feel like I don't want to call them out in case like they don't want to be named, but that's all good. Yeah. But amen to that, right? Amen yeah. to that, that y'all exist and y'all are putting stuff out there. Yeah. Yeah. And then anyone, like, I don't know, I think just, you know, anyone who keeps like an open mind, who's receptive to feedback, who's like, you know, trying to create a space with nuance, like who has, you know, my fandom friends who have these kinds of discussions with me, like, you know, and don't, aren't necessarily like, you know, automatically attacking people or you know like people who don't like first jump to attacking people people who are like really thinking about how to create a fandom space like I really appreciate that there are people out there that we can like that I can discuss that with and not like be worried about getting canceled so yeah <laughs> yeah oh and then I will give a shout out to Hydra Trash Party because I feel like I, jo I feel like I joke like I'm a graduate of Hydra Trash Party because <laughs> like the community has been really instrumental, I think, it, to me as a writer, but uh, like also just in general, like working through a lot of like, like the conflict about like, is it okay to write dark fic? And, you know, and also just like, they've just been really, really like supportive, I think, like on a personal level. And so I, I hats off to them. Yeah, I love it. I absolutely love it. That is fantastic. And it's so gratifying to see that communities like that, where you would think that, uh, and they do, communities like that sometimes get a lot of flack from other fan fiction writers. And it's just so wonderful to hear that there is a community for it, that it is a supportive community, and, uh, and that that great, wonderful things can come from these communities. So I love that. I love those shout outs. Thank you so, so much. Thank you so much for being here today, for sharing your thoughts and perspectives on The Untamed and for talking to us about your fan fictions. It was a blast. Thank you so much for having me. I like This is a really good discussion. And I was really nervous, but no, I think it went well. <laughs> so I think so too. This has been great. Dragon Girl G, thank you so much for joining us today. Check out her stories on AO3 and give her some love. You can find the Fanfic Maverick online at fanficmaverickpodcast.com, on Tumblr at fanficmaverickpodcast, on Instagram and Twitter at fanficmaverick, and I can always be reached at fanficmaverick at gmail.com. Thank you all so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, and I will see you next episode. In the meantime, keep on rolling.